Hanging is Brian too, right? Yeah, no one ever calls me by my first name. Okay. At work, they do. Yeah. No one in my personal life ever did. Langdon. <laughs> so listen, we're finally here. We're, um, th this is one of those things where we were just trying to, to basically, this was supposed to be episode 100. And uh, like most things, uh, everything I say is a lie. Because uh, sure. number 100 ended up being Keith Coogan. So this will be the top 10 big four songs. Uh, there's four of us on here. And uh, it is a pretty fucking hard list to put together when you really think about it. Huh? Yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. It was pretty hard. I, I, I'm going to say, how did you, oh, we're going to ask, like, Langan, how did you go about putting together your list? I knew it would be impossible. And I already think way too much about more about these lists than like anyone normal should. But uh, <laughs> I kind of just jotted down off the top of my head. If I wanted to hit play right now, what would I want to listen to? And I made a list of those and then kind of balanced it between how I felt about the song when I first heard it and how it still, like I still, it's still listenable for me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, Parker, how did you go about making this list? So I took the four bands and I made a playlist out of all the catalogs, every album, you know, my favorite songs out of that. And I kind of did like uh I kind of did like a tournament, like with myself. I was just like, all right, we got to eliminate some stuff, which stuff is going to stay. Um, how I got the final 10, though, I went by like how much I love these four bands, like top to bottom. And that that's how I got these 10 songs. Okay. Joe. Joe from yeah. Outburst. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. And um, good to meet Brian Parker. Um, Both drummers in the house. There you go. Um, are we going to talk about musicianship later on? Because I got a few things to say about the big four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, my process was similar. Um, and it, to whittle it down to 10 was, like the other guys said, impossible. My my list, I was into equal equal distribution, um, but I knew someone was going to get screwed if it's 10. You know, someone was going to get three. Two bands are going to get three and two bands are going to get two. And that was it for 10. But I started out with like 30 songs. Um, I don't know how big your guys list got, but it's like, there's no way I can get rid of this. But then I'm like, you, you stand it up to something else. And you're like, well, that's got to go then. Yeah, yeah, obviously. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're like, it's like, it's like, I'm um, almost like in high school with like, you get these lists of like, who's your, with your boys? Like, who's the five hottest girls in our senior year or whatever? <laughs> it's, it's, like 12. it's always 12, but then you got to get it down to five because that's the rules, right? So Gen Jennifer Conley. Nah, Leah Thompson. If, if we did like episode 150 and we did this again too, I might have 10 other songs. Because <laughs> yeah. there's so many, how can you go wrong? There's so many goddamn good songs. Yeah, it's yeah I, 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 I basically did the same thing. I, I, I did what you did, Joe. I picked all my favorite songs from the four bands. And then from there, I kind of tried to make 10 and, and you do, you match up. It's like, okay, well, I, I got to leave this in there. But then compared to the ones that are still on there, I'm like, OK, well, this is objectively like I, I looked at it as like, what do I want to hear today? So I, let's kick it off, man. Let's do our 10 songs, um, you know, with with our guests today. Let's kick it off with you, Joe. Give me number 10. Uh, so we're going 10, like 10 is in, like 10 to one. So number yep. one being the best you know, yep. order of preference. I got number 10 um, is Anthrax from Among the Living. It's caught in a mosh. And um that is actually the 
from front to back, my favorite Anthrax album with Spreading the Disease a little, you know, like second place, like they're neck and neck. And Caught, um, Caught in the Mosh is just like what I was like into still today in 2021. But I can listen to that whole thing from, you know, from Among the Living all the way to Imitation of Life. But their signature song from that record is Caught in a Mosh. And it's got, you know, it's got the good groove and Charlie's playing his ass off. And, you know, there's a good lead by Spitz. So that's my number 10, Caught in a Mosh. Yeah, that's that's just classic. It's it's uh, I mean, you, you know, that's that's a classic song. It might might be on my list, too. So, Parker, give me your number 10. OK, so. Out of these four bands, I know that I'm going to get shit for this, but Anthrax is my least favorite out of these four bands. But doing this top 10, I figured, you know, I had to do at least one song of theirs, obviously, just for equal you know, distribution. I was never into the Joey Belladonna anthrax. You know, I'm going to get shit for this. I knew that I was going to get shit for this. <laughs> I dare you. Um, Joey, Bell- <laughs> Joey Belladonna to me was like like the drunk uncle who worked at like Foot Locker and just like, <laughs> yeah, he was like the crazy guy. And like, like I didn't know anthrax then. Like I knew when John Bush came in, you know, from Armored Saint that I was like, oh, wow, this is like a put together band. Like this guy can sing like this and that. Like, you know, not knowing Anthrax then, like if I want to listen to like goofy, like funny thrash, like I listen to Municipal Waste because like them I knew. So (laughs) for my number 10, I chose uh, only by Anthrax from Sound of White Noise, which is what a surprise my favorite Anthrax album. I think like the first seven songs are probably the best seven songs that Anthrax ever wrote. Um, I remember seeing this video on on um, uh, MTV's Headbangers Ball and it was just it's one of those basic just jamming videos, just guys in a room. And then, like, years later, I found out that it was about, I guess, Scott Ian's, like, first divorce, actually. How, like, you know, there was, there was only one side of the story. That's all that you heard. So that was my number 10. Very good. Very good. Um, I mean, blasphemy. I don't know. Everything you just said is outrageous. But <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll get back to that. Uh, Langan, give me your number 10. Uh, my 10 is uh, Slayer's Chemical Warfare. From uh, Honing the Chapel EP. Shout out to Ron Grimaldi, who <laughs> yes. broke for it 10 times. Yeah. I respect Ron, that. Ron said, Ron said, chemical warfare 10 times, fuck the world. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's such a, man, it's such a raw, aggressive early Slayer track. You know, I love all Slayer. I love Show No Mercy and stuff, but like uh, uh, this EP that came out was like a completely raw direction. And I think. I don't know if it's true or not. I might have read it on Wikipedia or something, but I think it was the first time that Lombardo was setting up a double bass setup and learned a lot. Uh, they had problems recording the drums on this track and that EP because uh, there was no carpet in the studio or whatever. But Gene Hoogland, I guess, he, that's where he met him and he picked up a lot of double basing style from Hoogland. Fucking Dark Angel days right there. Yeah, who's, who's the legend and you can hear it. It's just, it's the, the, the track is just attacking like constantly from beginning to end slayer chemical warfare my number yeah, 10. Man. nice um my number 10 is just like langan um i think joey belladonna is the fucking man but i went with nah. i went with only <laughs> i went with only because i think arguably if you really break down like i'm such a pop i'm i'm a melody guy and this might be the most catchy or best written anthrax song but it doesn't really sound like anthrax to be honest with you, you know, up to, up to that point. That's but, probably why I like it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a, it, it's a oh, massive, it's... massive uh, pre-chorus, massive chorus, and that, and just 
the pummeling like uh it's not really a riff it's just like the chord progression yeah um and i listen when i heard that i was like okay i'm, I'm kind of uh i really loved uh persistence of time a lot i thought it was great so it was interesting to see him leave after that and obviously attack of the killer bees but my number 10 is only from sound of white noise so uh joe i'm gonna ask uh, you to give me your number nine well, before I give the number nine, I just want to address the uh, the only because two of you guys picked it. I know that I want to. I like I like Bush Anthrax, um, but I just love the fact that Ian Scott Ian likes to trumpet the quote that I guess when he heard only the first time James Hetfield like told him that it was like the perfect metal song, and there's like Hetfield telling you that like I would take that as like, the ultimate compliment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. And and he's right. It, it's really as far as songwriting goes, it's a really, really good song, man. It's just a really well-written song for sure. It might be my only Bush era anthrax song that I like. <laughs> I've, uh, I'm a big Belladonna guy. That's what I came up with. I love Armored Saint, too. Love Armored Saint. Yeah. They're amazing. But it's kind of like certain things like like Audio Slave. I love Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine. But you know what? Mm, just didn't yeah. like it altogether. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like I like RZA and I like Interpol, but I don't want to see those two guys together. <laughs> yeah. They put it. <laughs> did you guys ever hear that? It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I heard so, it once. Yeah, it, it didn't really work out. So, but uh, Joe, give me your number nine. Okay, number nine is from uh, Megadeth. It's uh, from the Countdown to Extinction album. It's Sweating Bullets. Nice. And this is a song that, for people who, you know, their complaint about Megadeth is Dave's voice, you know, which he was a disadvantage to, you know, the other guys. Um, and I think the story was that he didn't want to sing, but he couldn't find a singer. So he was like, I'm just going to do it. Mission accomplished. So, yeah. Right. So Sweating Bullets was like, you know what? You don't like my voice? fuck you i'm gonna make it even more annoying and talk like a robot that's about to kill you or whatever mission or, you know, accomplished whatever. yeah he's mm. like psychotic or whatever and he's and he's narrating oh, himself, which is to me is brilliant like he's talking to himself <laughs> he's you know all credit due dementia and you know the the sweet spot for me with megadeth was the marty friedman um nick menza era where you know, they had those four or five albums that were like, man, these guys are really playing and they're tight. Oh, yeah. Like the, the first two Megadeth with, with like Gar and, you know, Chris Paul and great, it was great stuff. Um, but then they really like finely tuned like their sound and their precision. And, you know, with Mustaine's riffs and Friedman's soloing, it's just like, you know, that's amazing. I really started to like them a lot when that lineup got together. Um, so yeah, Sweating Bullets. And I think it was an MTV hit where he's like fighting with himself and he's in a the corner. There's like four or five Dave... Mustaine's in a mental asylum that kind of added to the visual of it yeah that was um, a big commercial moment it oh, was yeah it was it was but, it was like but their slightly blackout. less than the blackout <laughs> yeah much to dave's yeah. chagrin it was passes. it was it was their black album for sure so all right yeah. sweating bullets number nine uh parker give me a number nine uh number nine for me is also megadeth but it's from uh 1988 so far so good so what and the song is in my darkest hour Yes. Um, which was actually um, inspired by Cliff Burton's death. And then Dave Mustaine actually got depressed, bought a bag of heroin and wrote this kick-ass song. And uh, this is, this was, you know, as Joe was saying, this was, you know, the, the Chris Poland, you know, the Gar era. And funny enough, 
Nick Menzo was actually the drum tech on this album. And then he became the drummer right after this. But uh, I love this album. I mean, the melodic beginning and it just has that Dan, da, 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 dan, da, da, just that groove when it kicks in. Yeah, and then he does the da, 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 da. it's a fucking great song. Who was the guitarist on that record? It wasn't Paul, no. It was uh No, it was somebody Jeff else. Young or something. Yeah, or... it was somebody that I I didn't really know the name. Yeah, he was just that record. Yeah, it was, right? Yeah, yeah. Good record. Very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a forgotten record, definitely. Uh in between Peace Cells and, and Rust and Peace. I feel like a lot of people overlooked that record. Oh, actually, no, that's the f- wait. That's the third that's, record. Oh, the third. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. So uh so yeah, I love that. So far, so good. So what? Uh Langan, give me your number nine. Yeah, um, mine is Anthrax is Madhouse from Spreading the Disease. Um not a thrash song, obviously, but a solid metal tune. It's just, it's such a chunky riff, big riffs in that song. I love the melody of it. Uh, but it, you know, it's on a hundred miles an hour anthrax, but they could, that's how versatile they were. And again, like my, my list is very like, uh, it's not evenly distributed whatsoever. So anthrax, this is like my only mention of them, but, uh, it, it, this song in particular, even though Among the Living is my favorite album by them, I love this song. Yeah, yeah, I for sure. I'm 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 the same way as far as like Among the Living might be my favorite, but I I don't even know if I have a song in there. Uh, so my number nine uh, is Take No Prisoners, Megadeth off of Rust and Peace. Man, that song kicks so much fucking ass. I gotta say, Rust and Peace is peak like you said freed uh friedman uh menza that's you know, the birth Mes- of like the classic lineup you that's know? that like when you really break down the musicianship and the actual songwriting to that record it's like bananas like for someone yeah. who plays guitar or like you guys who play drums like it's like yo you guys you guys really put together something like ridiculous and take no prisoners was just really like riftastic but it was still catchy and uh great outros oh my god love that song so uh yeah the, uh, the the john f kennedy line at the very end right he's like don't ask what you, do you can do, do for yeah. your, your yeah. country like who was that that's amazing yeah. that he don't that ask in. yeah take no prisoners take no shit yeah love it uh there's so a, go ahead there's a youtube link um for uh it's i you know you can find anything on youtube but somebody put up a link with like Lars versus Menza. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a fair fight, but they isolate the drum <laughs> track. They isolate the drum tracks. And like the third song, the, the first song he puts in is like take no prisoners, isolated drum track. And you're like, this is just, this is like bringing a, you know, a gun to a knife fight. You know, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no matter what they put next, it's not going to match up. Listen, only one of them is alive now. So. Just throwing yeah. it out. <laughs> just, yeah. just throwing it out there. Lars won the long game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he won the long game for yeah. sure. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> before we get to number eight, uh, Joe, I'm going to ask you: uh, out of the four bands, which was the first four that you heard? Um, it was Metallica. Okay. Um, we lived on the same block uh, with AJ from Leeway, and he was a little older than us, and he knew all the cool record spots, and he would bring back you know, Circle Jerks and Dead Kennedy's records. And one day he brought, I remember the hall, it was like, except Restless and Wild and Metallica, Kill Em All. 
So it must have been like early 80s, 83 maybe. Um, and we just passed that around. We did, you know, when, when you had stereos in your house with you could a tape deck, you could just press the board and, and put the whole album on the side of the tape. And we were just amazed by that. So yeah, Metallica Kill Em All was the first one we were exposed to. And initially, I remember saying like, what is this? This is not, this is like so weird. It's unconventional, it's like fast. This guy's singing with all this reverb on his voice. And you know, what's a bass solo? You know, what is that? It took a little while to get adjusted to it, but you know, look, look what happened, right? Yeah, look what happened for sure. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so what's your number eight? My number eight, speaking of, is uh, is from Kill 'Em All, Metallica, uh, The Four Horsemen. Ah, love it. And that's got Mustaine's fingerprints on it. You know, he wrote that. That was originally mechanics, a demo. Yeah. yeah, it's it's mechanic. And the great thing about that is if you if you listen to um, Killing Is My Business from Megadeth, the first record, he does mechanics the way it was meant to be done. Yeah. More version and everything. Way and faster. The solo. Yeah, way faster. And he does the solo that I guess Hammett was told to like do his best to imitate for the recording of Kill Them All. The but lyrics are hair, hair metal levels of stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about having sex in a garage or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I give, I give Hedford the, yeah, Hedford's got the edge for rewriting the lyrics for, you know, for the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which is much better than- Way cooler. The mechanics. Yeah, yeah, way, way cooler. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's my number eight, Four right. Horsemen. Cool. Yo, uh, Parker, out of the four, what was the first one that you heard? Uh, out of the four was Metallica. I mean, I remember the, the first metal bands that I remember really getting into was Metal in this order, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, Sepultura, Testament, Sacred Reich. That was like my big six, I call nice. it. And uh, everything, like I said, formed off of Metallica and like, you know, they're my favorite band still. I still have never seen them live, which is the ongoing joke. I've never seen Anthrax live, but yet I've seen Slayer five times and I've seen Megadeth three times. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah, go. go figure. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, give me your number eight. Uh, first Slayer song that I'm choosing is from 88 South of Heaven and it's Mandatory Suicide. Um I fucking love this song, man. Just it kicks in with a dun, 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 and just when he starts hitting that fucking ride, that fucking, you know, that Lombardo fucking big bell. And then he does it like a, like an off time in the second time. And then he goes back to the off time in the fourth time. Um, this was actually the first Slayer album that I bought myself. I remember going to fucking Coconuts in Levittown before oh, yeah. FYE bought the yeah. fucking thing. Yep. And I remember seeing the cover of this and there was just, just there's so much shit going on in this cover. Like you're looking inside the skull and there's him in hidden images. And then I look at the title and I'm just like, South of Heaven. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, I think I know what that means. And then like, <laughs> then I put the fucking album on and I'm just like, this is fucking insane. You know, like, uh, you know, like South of Heaven, the song that it goes into, uh, what is that? Silent Scream, I think is the second song. I just, it's got like that fucking that fast fucking hi hat that he goes into and just the, just beginning to end. I fucking love that album. But if I had to pick a song, it's Mandatory Suicide from that yeah, album. That's good. Yeah, that that's a live staple for them for sure. Yeah. Every time it comes on, people get wild. Uh, so Langan, out of the four, wh what was the first you heard? Uh, Metallica, Kill Them All, like Joe. Uh, I bought that shit at Caldor and Riverhead. Nice. Yeah. On vinyl and uh. I remember looking at the back of it, and these four ugly, pimply-faced dudes that are like, "Hey, these guys look like <laughs> look like us," you know. And uh, 
I just remember putting my needle on the record and it was one of those life altering moments. Like the first time I heard Eddie Van Halen or something. And just one of those benchmark moments in my music life, you know, it just changed the game. Very cool. Yeah. You look like you're in the witness protection program uh, in that lighting, by the way. <laughs> like, like, I'm like backlit. Like I'm getting yeah, interviewed yeah. on inside edition and I witnessed some <laughs> crime or some shit. But sure. Yeah. Give me your number eight. Uh, the Thing That Should Not Be by Metallica. Oh, nice. Um, I was a big Lovecraft geek when I was a kid. This song has cl Cliff all over it. And, and Cliff era Metallica, is, as you all know, is my favorite. But just such a heavy, heavy song. Like, not in the Speedway or whatever, like in that Sabbathy, trudgy, you know, slow prodding way. And that, the outro of that song is might be the heaviest fucking thing like ever recorded with that that fade that fade out at the end it's oh, yeah. so chunky it's unbelievable uh, uh that's my number eight very good yeah uh that was one of those songs that when i learned how to play guitar when the solo came on <laughs> I, I didn't really know what a whammy bar was and uh, i'm like i'm like how the fuck is he doing this? Like, what is he? I, it didn't make sense to me. It's like, wow, wow, wow. Awesome. I was all about fucking whammy. But when I got my first guitar for Christmas, the ha Sears Harmony model, I was, <laughs> so, I was so psyched. I got it and grateful. Don't get me wrong, but I was so bummed to have no whammy. Bar. No whammy. Bar, yeah. Nah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, for me, once again, just like everyone else, probably just the power of Metallica. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure. Man, let me tell you, it was probably watching the video for one. I was 10. And, uh, you know, from there, it was just I remember being in Queens when we lived in like, you know, uh, wherever the fuck we lived. And I would watch the video with my cousin and my cousin was a girl and she had long hair. And whenever the breakdown to one came on, we would headbang. And obviously my hair looked like this and her hair looked longer. <laughs> And it was just fucking amazing. I was like, oh, my God, I want long hair. So I get headbanged <laughs> to the breakdown to one. So, uh, all right. So my number eight is uh, off of Master of Puppets, Battery. Ah, great song. To this day, I still play that intro, the ding, 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 ding. To like, whenever I'm at practice, it's such a like cool chord progression. Uh, but when... I mean, you want to just talk about just masterful songwriting, uh, you know, that very like acoustic beginning going into like the guitar harmonies to like that and still have like it's a thrash song, but the chorus is like amazing. You know, it's like, how are you guys writing a catchy chorus at this velocity? So, uh, yeah, number eight, Battery Master of Puppets. Hey, -o. Joe, back to you. Number seven. Yeah. Just a word on battery because I think the sweet spot for Metallica for me was Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, that little pocket there. And so Ride the Lightning started off with the acoustic guitar too, yep. right? With fire with fire. Yep. And I'm like, maybe they're trying to duplicate their formula. And it was also again like another amazing song. Battery was like it's hard to decide, but they're just here we go with the acoustic guitar again, and then they just knock your socks off, you know. No, they, the they did it. Those two records have a lot in common if you look, because even like Sanitarium to Fade to Black, yeah, uh, right. to Creeping, like just a lot of those songs, if you if you put them together, the instrumental, um, I feel like they definitely, yeah. like you could go, you could put them at a head-to-head -head and, and, and decide from there for sure. So. They had a formal Except for there, Escape. Yeah, yeah they hate escape. escape. 
I don't, never, yeah, they never play that live. I like Escape. I yeah, don't mind yeah. Escape. Oh, it's they not did. a bad song, but yeah. I saw them. I saw them when they did the Orion Festival. They played uh fade uh ride the lightning uh front to back and and the black album so it was two nights oh, that's fucking cool yeah yeah it was cool uh all right joe give me number seven 47 um it's uh slayer from seasons in the abyss it's war ensemble nice um, it is it is just ridiculous what those guys are doing in that song oh yeah i mean the and i i'm a drummer right so i tend to focus on like lombardo holding everything down which he manages to do but he's also doing these crazy fills like every other like measure and still landing on the one. It, it, he's amazing. Like Dave Lombardo, like Angel of like Rain and Blood and South of Heaven and War Ensemble, Dave Lombardo, which is, I think, because they kicked him out after um, Seasons in the Abyss, I think. Um, but that was right there. I was like, the, I think the drumming doesn't get any better that from any four of these bands, you know, any of them. Um, and Array is just screaming his head off and, you know, support the war, war support. And there's that break before the, uh, the breakdown where he's just like, dun, 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 dun. And he just screams like, war! And yeah. you think he's going to like hurt a vital organ or something. He's doing it so yeah. When they, when they do that live too, that's such a moment yeah. right there. That part. The whole yeah. crowd yells war. It's I thought he was going to scream sick. war. I thought he was screaming war dance, but it was just war. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that record was one of those uh, one of those videos that I watched at MTV, you know, when it came out. So it was 1990. I was 12. And whenever that popped on, I was like, this is it was enough for you to just stop doing whatever you're doing, because like that song is a pummeling. It's a fucking it's a pummeling. Yeah. From beginning to end, you just get pummeled. You're like, what just happened? So uh, number seven for you. So Parker, number seven. Number seven, uh, so my first Metallica song. So I'm going with 84's Ride the Lightning for Whom the Bell Tolls. So, I mean, everything from Burton's fucking bass intro with the distortion. You know, a lot of people thought that that was a guitar at first, but it was really, you know, a bass player playing it. Um, the recorded, you know, the, the song on Ride the Lightning, you know, it's great and everything. But I really got into this when I saw the uh, the live video on Live Ship Cl- Engine Purge. Oh, it wasn't even Cliff them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, yeah, and Cliff them all when I saw that. Um, but when I saw the live shit, you know, on the on the uh, on the video, they were on the uh, and just sprawl tour, and just you could see like how Lars kind of like made all the because it's a pretty big drum song that song there's like he does a lot of fills stuff like that and just i felt like the drumming got like 10 times better by that point i mean let's be honest he's coming off of injustice for all which to me that's my favorite metallic album you know so it just made him just a better player so but i love that song i love ride though i mean fuck i love metallica so there you go. <laughs> very good except except when they come around on tour you're like fuck yeah, you. then i then i point <laughs> yeah <laughs> What? Uh, Parker, Parker, would you say that uh, and just for all was like Lars' zenith as a drummer? Do, what do I think that it's his best playing? Yeah, I, I think he, so. I mean, uh, I mean, I love, I love, you know, um, Master of Puppets as well. But like with with Justice, I know that like you know because when we get to like the top five, obviously like a Justice song comes in for me, but just. I just feel that his his playing got better. I mean, obviously the songs got a little bit more complicated. They got longer. No. You know, that's how I feel about that album. For sure. I, I think Justice for All was like to me like his top of the mountain because you know he followed it up with the Black Album, which was a lot yeah. more simplified and yeah, laid back stuff. But yeah, 
Like yeah. New Year's Eve. I was I think I was telling <laughs> Langan and Sam this like if you chronologically look at it, like and Justice for All ends with Dyer's Eve, and that's like double bass, like oh yeah, yeah. And then the very next song you'll hear as a Metallica fan is Sandman. <laughs> and the Sandman, yeah, very true. Like, what happened to Lars, dude? Yeah, very <laughs> true. <laughs> That's why it was so tragic when it came out. Man. A, th- a three-year that's tour. So is that, that's what happened. So, yeah. uh, Langan, number seven. Um, I'm quiet on a couple of things you guys mentioned because I'm gonna. They're gonna come up later. Yeah, for me, me too. So me I'll too. Have more yeah. to say, but uh, uh, my number seven is Slayers at Dawn. They sleep. Oh, that's I'm, another good one. The Hell Awaits album. Uh, yeah, I really like it because it's a it's it's different for Slayer. It's like actually like as a song. There's a lot of like progression in it. A lot of parts. Um, slow parts, fast part, the tempo changes and pieces. The intro riff is, is like Slayer jazz almost. It's yeah, like it's very, like, I love Lombardo on that song because it's, like, yes. it's almost like he's like very laid back and like it comes in late and mm-hmm. I love that shit, yeah. But he gets his shine. He gets his shine at the end. He's got, he, yeah. get, he gets a little, oh, yeah. uh, a little solo and stuff. And I love the lyrics too because I'm a horror fan and the vampire undead thing, the story yeah, he's that, telling. Uh, it's just perfect Slayer. Yeah, apparition from the pits of hell, right? That's yeah, yeah, love it. Cool. Whenever cool. they, whenever I go see them and they play it, it's like a fucking treat. But mm. um, all right. So my number seven, I'm gonna basically mention, you know, with a lot of black album talk recently. Um, <laughs> here's the one thing that you, you're like, what happened to to? You're Lars? gonna pick the Neptune's remix, right? <laughs> here's what, here's <laughs> you're like, what happened to Lars from Dyer's Eve to Enter Sandman and listening to them talk and, and talk about the Injustice for All tour on how they were playing these very long songs and the audience was just kind of staring at them for a long time, you know, because the songs are so long uh, that they, like, uh, I think it was uh, Kirk Hammett who said, I remember playing Injustice for All, the title track once, and everyone's just standing there, and he's like, Jesus Christ, how long is this song? <laughs> That's my number seven. Injustice yeah. for All, title yep. track. I fucking, I fucking love it. It's yep. it doesn't even feel that long to me. And and I remember getting Guitar World and, and learning that. Yo, it's so good. It's so yeah. fucking good. Um, and it just I, but I get it if you're if you're going from certain songs and then you play that, you know, like some people are just like, OK, I guess they're going to riff on this for like five minutes and then we'll go back to the chorus. But I love Injustice for All three. You know, it's just like i it's one of those songs like if, if a song if you're looking at, at at a time the whole the whole duration of the song then it's too long but like i i does it never really felt like a nine a nine minute song to me uh so shout out to injustice for all which is also my favorite metallica record uh and so we're, we're gonna go back to joe unless um, unless you have something about injustice i was gonna say uh when we used to warm up or sound check at cgb's um, Tommy from Prong was the sound guy there, and he would say like, you know, to the drummer like, give me the, give me your tom, one tom, give me a second tom, give me a floor tom, and so I would do the riff from Injustice for All, you know, when Lars is going down the do 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 do, do because it's hitting all the toms, and I'm like, how do yeah. you like that? And Tommy would be like, hey, I know that song pretty good. <laughs> That's my memory of Injustice for All, you know. Yo, awesome! Shout out to Tommy Victor. Um, so before we get there, uh, uh, I'm going to ask you out of the, out of the four bands that we're talking about, who do you think had the first clunker? The first clunker. Um, 
I, I, that's a good one. I'm gonna say, and this is like, it's hard because even the clunkers, you find gems on those records. Oh, you ate one too? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's the thing? Hey, our podcast, guys. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say Anthrax, um, uh, State of Euphoria. Oh, because it had like, it had like trust, the trust cover on it, and you know, it had some good riffs on it, but I didn't, it didn't catch me like it did, like, like, um, Among the Living did. So I kind of like would listen to it with on the background. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't sit, it didn't capture me. Um, and that was 1988, I think. Yeah, 88. Um, but you know, they came back strong with uh, Persistence of Time, but that's the one to me, it's kind of like I bought it. I was like, oh, oh, this is gonna be awesome. And then I played it all the way through. I'm like, oh, it's all right. Like, it's okay. <laughs> it wasn't a letdown for me. But um, I like some songs on it, but the the production I never liked on that record. Yeah. And even if you watch the Anthrax 40 documentary that they just put together, which is amazing, by they the don't, way. They don't like it. They don't like it. They're yeah. they're they're saying like the, the production was rushed, like Langan said, and they could have taken more time to write songs. So it's like I was thinking myself when I saw that, I'm like, Hey, maybe I wasn't out of my mind when I <laughs> kind of like you know just left it there on the no, on you the are. record player. <laughs> you, you guys, are, you, all of you guys are. So, uh, so give me your number six. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so speaking of Anthrax, then it's um from spreading the disease. It's uh, AIR. Nice. Um, that is their you know I guess they came their first full record with Joey. Um, they did this armed and dangerous EP just, you know, when he joined the band, when they kicked Neil Turbin out and they did a couple of old Turbin songs like metal thrashing mad and panic. And, you know, just to warm the fans up to this new guy. But when they came with AIR um, off spreading the disease, it was like, here we are, you know, Charlie's playing his, his ass off. Charlie's so good. And he was doing double bass and spits is like licking out. And then, you know, that's a song built for Belladonna's voice. I think, you know, he's, it's up there and he's very melodic. Very Even the chorus is melodic. Yeah. yeah. And then a great mosh part, you know, they were big into like saying the word mosh back then. So, <laughs> you know, it was a great mosh part. So to me, that's like one of the timeless anthrax songs for me. AIR. Nice. Perfect. Langan, uh, I mean, Parker, out, out of the four bands that we're talking about, which is the one that released an album that, that you know, uh, that you were kind of not uh, into? Uh, I mean, I don't know if that's really fair because with me, I'm going to pick Anthrax, obviously, because I don't really like a lot of the older stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I will say this for Metallica I will take Load over Reload, okay. Stain <laughs> Anger, and that fucking Lulu shit all fucking thrown together any day of the week. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Give me your number six. All right, so number six is uh, another Megadeth song, and the opening riff to this song, every time I fucking hear this song, I think of the Chappelle skit with John Mayer when he says, play the fight riff, John, and everybody starts fucking going crazy, and the song is Holy Wars yeah. by fucking on Rust in Peace, because that opening riff, I just want to fucking flip tables over and fucking go ape shit, And it's great because Mustaine starts with the guitar, Menza follows it with the drums, and then when it all comes together, it just fucking explodes. And what a fucking great song from a great album. 
I'm trying to think of where I could invite you to play that song where you will just throw a table. Oh, dude, I would love it. <laughs> I mean, I, I would even like fucking hang fucking, you know, symbols off of chains and shit like we were in Hellraiser, but like it's got to be done, you know? <laughs> Wanging. The thing about, about Holy Wars, that's like two songs because the Punishment Do is like a separate song. Yeah, yeah. Thrown in the middle there, you know? I never yeah, looked. Yeah, I never looked at it that way. That's interesting. But it is the name. Uh, Langan, out of the four, which was the first one to break your heart? Man, I mean, I wouldn't. Well, that changes things because you mentioned Clunker before. It was hard for me to say Clunker. But I, the Black Album broke mm-hmm. my heart. Like, I know it's a good record. I'm not like, it sucks. It just it wasn't what like I was, I needed right then from that band. Like it just was different and I wish they kept in a different direction. So that kind of, were you, were you, were you like heavy thoughts tonight and they aren't of snow white? Were you just like, <laughs> were you just like, I can't deal with this. It just, you know, I'm a little older than you and stuff. So like, I remember like having that when you heard enter Sandman, it was very like shocking. <laughs> It just is hard to like what you didn't like uh, <laughs> what the, you didn't like the West Side Story riff and uh, that was that? so silly. I mean, but there is some great good shit on that. Don't get me wrong, and the production's top notch and the great yeah. songwriting. And they sold out anywhere that had electricity from that point on, so yeah. they could give two dams what I think of it. But as my high school self, I was just, just like, oh, that wasn't the band that you know. You fit in your back pocket anymore, as Kurt used to say. You know, they they growed up. So give yep. give me your number six. Um, I was back and forth here, but I'm gonna go with Fight Fire with Fire. Uh, nice. Fire the Lightning. Um, when I was putting these lists together, I realized I had a lot of intro songs. Mm. These bands had just all band, all these bands on almost every record has like an unbelievable opener. But uh, same thing, like you guys talked about the slow intro, and when it kicks into gear, it's just it's it's so brutal. I, it's one of my favorite guitar solos on it too, especially that harmony part that they play after the solo before Lars's little drum break. Um, there's a little melody that 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 James and Kirk play that's just it's it's perfect. It's uh, Lars was so, Lars was so good on that song. He was man. Yeah, man, I'm not like of that shit on Lars camp that like became so popular. Like, cause Lars was the shit when we were growing up. Lars, yeah, he was. Everybody wanted to play like him. Everyone loved him. And then all of a sudden, it just became this fucking thing to just shit on Lars. And like, yeah, he ain't Lombardo. He ain't Benante. Uh, you know what I mean? But he fucking held it down. He was very important in metal's history. It's it's basically the overexposure of uh, press. It's uh, uh, between uh, the Napster thing and that documentary, some kind of monster. Uh, you know, you see these people and you're just like, oh, maybe this guy's not. Yeah, I don't think I want to hang out with him. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say no, because that would be cool as shit. But you know what I'm saying? Like, he's probably he might be a dick. But you know what? Come on, fucking Lang- play. Come on, Langan. Don't be a pussy. Uh, tell you some of his artwork and like in fucking some kind of monster. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You should delete that. Um, all right. So my, I am like Joe, me and Joe are so similar because we, I don't think we've heard a song that we don't like. I, I feel like me and Joe will, will 
even if it's a song that we don't like, we're going to say, hey, that's a cool chorus. That's a cool like there, we'll always find something about every song. Yeah. So, Redeeming qualities. Yeah, yeah. So for me, uh, the first heartbreak that I had was Stomp 442, the Anthrax album. Oh, fucking Dan Terror. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I got that, that was the first time I got a release out of these four bands where I was just like this is really not good. Dan Spitz had left. It was just, you know, Charlie, um, Frank, and uh, fucking e, uh, Scott. And uh, the songs just weren't that good. You know, like, I, I was like, all right, maybe they got away with it. You know, they had Neil Turbin, and then they changed to Joey, and then they got John Bush, and then the Sound of White Noise was cool, but Stomp 442, like, I was just like, I, I couldn't have it. So that was, to me, that was the first one. Uh, so my number six is uh, the title track to 1990s Seasons in the Abyss, Slayer. Um, man, you want to talk about a fun song to play at practice? Just mm-hmm. like... It's like so Sabbath, but then they kind of like speed it up. And, and once again, it, I, I'm a big pop guy. So the chorus, you know, close your eyes, look yeah. deep in your soul. It's yeah. just so good. The video was great. Oh, video was amazing. You know, they were like like pirate ships and shit. It was like they were like in Egypt or somewhere in like the middle. Uh, But yeah, that's it. So we're back down to five. So let's do let's crack the top five. Joe, give me your number five. Before that, really quick on seasons in in the abyss. Um, I think that's maybe the first time where I don't know if it was intentional, but uh, Carrie King and Hanneman are playing leads that are almost in tune. Yeah. Right, it, it goes with like the chords. It's like, wait, this is kind of melodic, actually. Yeah. Uh, way, less, way, like, way, way less, way less bends. Ball. Yeah, yeah, and Anna Ray is almost kind of singing. So, yeah. big well, departure on season. Listen, I'll, I'll mention. I'll, I'll go back to that record. That to me is my favorite Slayer record. Seasons in the Abyss yep. is my favorite Slayer record because it just like Injustice for All, you have the the heaviest to the softest. That had war ensemble all the way to fucking seasons and songs like Blood Red, uh, Dead, Dead Skin, Skin Mask. Mask. Yes, yeah. it's it was like them at their height power, uh, height the height of their power, not high, as yeah. at height power. <laughs> it's not that type of show, guys. Relax. <laughs> so, <laughs> Joe, give me your number five. Number five is uh, Megadeth uh, from Peace Cells uh, in 1986. It's Wake Up Dead. Nice. Um, it is, you know, I know it's a big staple live, and it's, you know, for those fans, for those fans who complain about his voice, he barely does any singing on it. In fact, he's just talking. Um, but the musicianship on that is just top notch. And, you know, that lineup, the first two albums with um, with Poland and Gar Samuelson, the playing is just top notch. And it's hard to believe that there's a part where so there's a clip on on YouTube when when um, Marty Friedman tries out, and I think Men's is already in the band where they do Wake Up Dead as like an audition for for Friedman, and it's you're looking at his hands on the you know on the guitar like, man, Chris Poland and Mustaine are nuts for writing riffs like these, you know, um, during that middle with the double bass break, you know, it's like getting really fast. Uh, it's got a great video with like people trying to like you know break down a chain link fence. Yes, that's very on a stage. Very eighties that that mm-hmm. move that move. Yeah, and <laughs> like for me, like uh, killing is my business was you know it was it was great from a stain like to say like hey you know I, I made it I, I got kicked out of Metallica but here I am, but it was a little bit like you know 
you start to gather like what he was about because he was definitely different from the Metallica that you had grown to love. And then when Peace House came out, it starts off with Make Up Dead and you're like, holy shit, man, this is freaking ridiculous, you know? So, I mean, that's that's my number five, but it's just one of my yeah. favorite Megadeth songs, one of my favorite Big Four songs. Great video too. Yeah, the march uh, part um, at the end, it's like you know, like you're marching or something. Like, it's a great song. Back in the back in the eighties, the only people who were uh, knocking on on more chain link fences than metalheads were zombies. So that's uh, <laughs> that's why I liked it. So, uh, uh, Parker, number five. Number five, uh, something from Seasons in the Abyss, which is also my favorite Slayer album. I went back and forth between that and Divine Intervention. Believe it or not, I know that I'm going to get shit for that. That was my favorite Slayer for a while. But uh, so many good songs on this. I mean, how the fuck do I choose something? So I kind of did like the, uh, I don't want to say like the bastard son from the album, but I chose the song Temptation, which uh, just kind of fucking kicks in right away and just it ends. I mean, it builds and then it just ends with Lombardo just hitting this fucking China symbol that just, I mean, recorded wise, it sounds like it's the like a 30 inch China symbol thing was probably like a little splash, but like he's fucking grooving on this fucking thing with this fucking breakdown and just what a banger of a song temptation. Nice. Yeah. Born of fire is another good one on that. That's a good one too. Yeah. Um, Langan, give me your number five. Uh, my number five was mentioned before uh, was for whom the bell tolls. Um, same reasons that was said before that again, Cliff, big Cliff Burton fan, the intro to that and, and the Cliff them all recording of them at the day in the green day in, on the green or at the green or whatever it was. I'm green. Man, I wish I could have been at that show because they were just at the height of their powers and, and Cliff just crushes that shit. The major rager on the four string yeah. motherfucker. Nice, yeah. That's uh, it, man. Yeah, and it's one of my favorite uh, James's vocal, James vocals tracks, like that old James before he like blew his throat out and he kind of became that character of the yeah, there, that whole Trucker whatever rock. he does. Yeah, um, one of my favorite James vocals. I wonder what Miley Cyrus would sound like singing that song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my number five is, you know, basic bitch territory, but caught in a mosh is uh, anthrax out of the, out of these four bands is the band that I listen to the most. Probably it, later on earlier, it was, you know, obviously Metallica and probably Slayer, but anthrax like those records, like I really do go back to a lot of that stuff, but caught in a mosh is just, it's just Joey being fucking Joey. So it's fucking, it's a chorus. And of course they have that New York hardcore influences on the, on, on the call and response chorus. Um, man, it's just great, man. Among the living caught in a mosh, man. That's the banger. Joe, you is like clapping with one hand. Yeah. Like, what? A, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was to like visualize like, What is he? Where is he? Where is he clapping? <laughs> so it, it's uh, I, they told the story in, 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 in Anthrax 40 where he, it was like their stage manager that was trying oh, to. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what they wrote the song about. He was caught in a mosh. Uh, so before we get to your number four, I want to ask you, Joe, who out of these four bands had the best second act? Um, you mean like the later records, like like in the two thousands and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, good question. Uh, that's why I'll say Megadeth. Yeah, I'll say Megadeth. Um, two thousand nine, they had uh, Endgame. You know, Endgame, which is amazing. 
you know, that from front to back, that's like, like they never, he never slowed down. But from like, they slowed, one of the albums you asked earlier about breaking your heart, like risk was bad. Risk was so bad. It was really bad, but it, it pre, it, you know, it was after Anthrax's um, State of Euphoria. So yeah, that was 90. Yeah. Risk was 99. Risk, yeah. Right. But after that, they did, you know, they did Dread and the Fugitive of Mine, The World Needs a Hero, you know, Motorcycle. And then 2009 Endgame, I suggest anyone who doesn't really know the later Megadeth, it's, it was that. And then it was like 13, um, which they actually got um, plugged from Monday Night Football. I remember watching a game and they said, we'll be back at these messages. And they broke into like um, a song from from 13. I'm like, I, why is Megadeth on Monday Night Football? You know, um, Charlie Daniels was not happy. <laughs> I made Dave some money, um, but you know, like I think they had, the, they had a good second act. Next, if I had a silver medal, I would give it to Slayer um, because they brought Lombardo back. You know, they had that album in 2006. It was Cult, and then uh, World Painted Blood. You know, there was some really good stuff in there that, for fans of the Big Four who really still gave a shit. You know, they would find some good stuff there. Cool. Uh, give me your number four. Uh, four is from Metallica's Ride the Lightning. It's called Ride the Lightning. <laughs> Self-titled. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, it's an amazing song. It's, it's also got Mustaine's um, songwriting fingerprints on it. Um, Lars is doing the double bass in the middle there when it gets fast. And the lyrics are cool as shit. It's about, you know, guys going to go into the electric chair, you know, and he's innocent, I guess, right, according to the, to what Hetfield's singing, um, but it's a catchy chorus, and, you know, when it speeds up, and and Lars is doing double bass, and Hammett and James are doing the solo, like, the, the twin solos, you know, it's like, man, this is a peak, like, musicianship-wise, that's so freaking good, you know? Nice, number four, cool. Uh, Parker, uh, out of these four bands, w- which... Uh, which band do you think uh, appeals to you the most in, in the later years? Like who has the, the better records that you like? Uh, I mean, later years, I mean, like when, when I first heard Load, I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of felt like how Langenfeld probably with the Black Album. Like when I heard like Until It Sleeps, like I remember like that premiered on like the radio and like I stayed up and fucking hit play and record on the fucking tape deck and shit back in high school. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm like, this is fucking horrible. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> then I saw the video and I was like, wait a minute. I was like, they're wearing like eyeliner and like clip on earrings and shit. I'm like, man. Then I heard like reload and I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like, let's fucking end it right here. Um, right, so Metallica is the answer? No, definitely not. Um, but then I did like, I did like when they teamed up with, uh, with Rick Rubin again for that one album. <laughs> I forget what that was called. Um, That's but I got, but I kind of went back and forth with that. I did like, I did like Slayer though, after Divine Intervention, like I did like, you know, the God Hates Us All stuff. And the, they did that punk album with the left-handed drummer that was in Testament for a while. Um, then they did the Diablos and Musica, I didn't mind. I, I'm going Slayer for the second right. half. Good. That was that, that was a, a good way to get to that answer. Slayer yeah. for you, number four. What's your number four? Uh, Injustice for All, self-titled. I mean, what 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 can you say about this song? I mean, yeah, it's long as hell, but just the musicianship is insane. I mean, uh, the playing, every, everyone's playing their part. I mean, like, 
you see you see the stage setup. I remember when I first, like I said, watching that uh, live ship binge and purge. I mean, just my God, like a coworker of mine actually went to that tour and saw them in the cult live, and I'm like, holy shit! Like what I would I was fucking there. do. There you go. I went and to I'm, that I'm, one, I'm, and they played with Queensrÿche too on that same on that same Justice. They yeah, came back around. I mean, yeah. Jesus, what I would give to fucking see that fucking show, you know, with that stage setup and to hear those songs. But uh, I'll send you the favorite, YouTube link. Yeah, thank you. It's my favorite, uh, my favorite Metallica album. Just I love that fucking song. Yes, that's the banger. Uh, Langan, same question to you. Who do you think had had a better second act? Uh, Testament. Nice. <laughs> uh, we're getting to, we're, we're getting to that. I'm uh, saving that for later. No, I would I would have to say Slayer, no doubt. Slayer by far had the most consistent career out of all four of them, as far as like what they did, what you could expect, the level of what they you know, they kind of kept it pretty consistent. And uh I don't think they really had a dip for me. Slayer was always Slayer. All right, give me your number four. Uh, Joe already mentioned it, Wake Up Dead by Megadeth. Um, it's practically an instrumental <laughs> and, uh, it's just, it's a song of like a thousand riffs in it. It's, it just keeps going to a different fat ass riff each time. Uh, and Chris Poland is one of the most, you know, unsung characters in early metal history. Cause I mean, he was, he wrote a lot of stuff for Dave too. I think some of the solos and he, he came from a real different background musically and um, it, it's insane. It's a, it's an amazing song, and it, it it just sets the bar of what we can expect from Megadeth. Because, like Joe said, the first album very raw, very raw, like recorded and everything. And this was like a real, you know, raising the bar. That's my I think uh, I think Mustaine is actually on record as saying like that as guitar players, like Poland put him to shame. Like he yeah. was ashamed, of, like you know, it it really helped him up his game because Chris Poland had these like he thunk so much out of the box and he wasn't even from, he was like a jazz player, right? Yeah. Yeah. Him and Gar had a jazz background. It, de it definitely, definitely changed. I mean, I think and Dave Mustaine by far is the best guitarist of all four of these bands. I got to say that too. Yeah. In I, my I, opinion. The jazz guy will always get you. Uh, <laughs> out of the four, geez, I'm going to say Slayer because they just, I mean, there, there's a lot of killer stuff on, on, on the later records. Uh, I think Anthrax definitely, they all had some, their moments, even Metallica, Death Magnetic, I thought had a lot of great stuff and, and Hardwired. Just That's four, what I was trying to think of, Death Magnetic, that was a good one. Yeah, there, there was like four or five off of uh, Hardwired that are pretty good, but I think Slayer consistently did. So uh, my number four is, speaking of Slayer, off of God Hates Us All, I'd, I, probably their biggest song post all the classic stuff, which is Disciple. Yes, great when, fucking song. When, yeah, Savage. when you when you hear Disciple, it's like, like you know, it, it's like only, it's like, oh, you guys got one after <laughs> after. I'm saying you, they got one after the Golden Age, man. And, you know, it's like you you hear that, that's a staple, and it's like you know to go along with like the 9/11 vibe and all that other shit. The but lyrics was, are just so brutal. Yeah, yeah, and, it's and, it, it. The fact that when it came out, to not to interrupt you and stuff, but like for me, like I hadn't fucked with metal for a while. And after 9-11, I had all these emotions like we all did, like anger and fear and this and that. And that album just scratched the like right itch at the right time as far as like a release for all that. And that song in particular is just yeah. brutal. I mean, that song's just it's it's ridiculous. So uh, I, I despise 
I despise this fucking place. Like he's just yeah. he's waiting at the end, you know, at the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so my, my buddy Billy sent in his list. I just want to read it real quick. So Billy Tardy, uh, my favorite mass hole. Uh, <laughs> so he has hella weights. He has no remorse. He has raining blood master of puppets. I am the law liar damage Inc angel of death creeping death and holy wars that's my buddy right there that's 10 to 1 that's pretty good yeah um so let's see back to joe uh i'm gonna ask you if, if there's a fifth who would you throw in um i would have to say exodus you know there's a documentary from i think it was like 2010 uh, by an indie filmmaker. It was called Get Thrashed. Amazing. Yep. yep. Yeah. And they're interviewing Mustaine. And without hesitation, he talks about that he played with, he had, Kerry King played like the first Megadeth show. Yep. And then, of course he played Metallica. He played with James. And I think he said he showed, he, he, he showed the guys that joined Megadeth, obviously. So he was like, I think his phrasing was like, I, I, my playing, you know, is associated with like three of the f- big five. He mentions big five with Exodus. So uh, he, you know, I guess to those guys, you know, to the to that crew growing up, because Exodus is like they're one of the f- front runners, forefathers. They got hammered from there. They, you know, they were playing all the shows, you know, headlining over Metallica in the beginning and stuff. So I, w- I would say Exodus, Bonded by Blood, is an amazing record, you know, from front to back. Cool. Uh, so give me your number three. Uh, number three is Megadeth. Holy War is the punishment due from Rust in Peace. Uh, I was mentioned earlier, and um, so, you know I, I don't want to duplicate you know opinions, or whatever. But so I'm just gonna say that there's a t- clip on YouTube of a guitar player in like middle school um, doing a talent show, and he plays a school song, and the principal says, hey, "Do you have anything else?" And so he's like, "Anything?" And the principal's like, "Yeah, play anything." And he plays the intro to Holy Wars. That's awesome. It's amazing. Ah. You've got to find it. It's like middle middle school kid plays Holy Wars or something. Yeah, I got to find that. Great song. Um, that's the, the first the first like step on the journey that is Rust in Peace. You know, however many thousands of notes are played on that whole record. <laughs> A lot. Uh, you know, and it's followed up by like you know it only gets better like Finger eighteen and like you said take no prisoners and you know tornado souls uh, yeah. yeah there's so many songs on that record but um holy war is just the one that hits right in the face with the, the galloping tempo you know it's like you know and the, and the lyrics you know like killing for religion something i don't understand like so that stands true to this day you know yeah and that to hear something that profound in a, in a thrash metal song you know nice uh so parker real quick if you could add a fifth who would it be for me it would be testament no question okay um I mean, those those earlier, like the practice what you preach, Souls of Black are probably two of my favorites. But then, uh, you know, like that low album that they fucking released. I remember when that came out and that dude, uh, John Tempesta, who actually later went on to play for White Zombie. He and fucking, it- my God, the drumming that he did on that fucking low album. I actually saw them on that tour at uh, at the Huntington uh, Roxy and they fucking blew me out of the water, man. I mean, what a great fucking live band they were. Nice. Uh, give me your number three. Uh, number three was mentioned actually by Joe, and I'm going sweating bullets, Megadeth. So, I mean, let's be honest. Goofy video, goofy lyrics, but like 
when you break down the song, like <laughs> Menza's drumming is fucking great in this fucking Amazing. song. Yeah, his, mean, like, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting, yeah. yeah. I mean, you get to that whole middle part, you know, the whole and it just builds and builds and builds and it goes into the like goes into the dueling solos and like the you know, that the double bass is following the one guy and just the ending, he just double bases the fuck out. And like that's what I hear. Like I don't see the fucking goofy video or the the hello me fucking shout out to Joe Sullivan. You know, I don't hear any of that shit. I just hear the fucking middle ending, and I just fucking think it's a great song. Awesome. Do you think that you don't think that? Uh, well, you know, well, me. It's nice talking to myself. All credit due dementia. That's a brilliant lyric to me. Yeah, I, I just think a lot of people just give it shit just because. Like, I kind of feel like Dave Mustaine gets a lot of shit just kind of how like Lars gets a lot of shit. Like, look at this asshole doofy fucking guy. <laughs> but just, I don't know. Hey, I, mean, I didn't. I. I, I I didn't ask him to cry in that documentary. Is all yeah, I'm saying. yeah, and and I mean, not for nothing. Countdown to Extinction is actually my favorite Megadeth album too, front to back. I love that. Yeah, I I used to play Foreclosure of a Dream. Great fucking song. Uh, all right, so Langan, uh, uh, your fifth. If you were to add on a fifth, who would it be? Um, definitely hearing Joe with Exodus. I love Bonded by Blood. I love that first. I don't know how many records and Piranha is one of my favorite songs, but uh. I'm going Testament. Um, I, I remember getting the legacy on vinyl and uh, just being blown away. And every album after that, just uh, I, I think Alex Goldman's one of the best guitarists in metal. Uh, he's a virtuoso. He's playing in Padgeock tonight. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. And Chuck, Chuck Billy yeah, might be my favorite singer in thrash music or in metal. Like He's he, my favorite singer with two first names. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, he stole my herb, but uh, yeah, he did. Ah, I love that he, story. Uh, but he he he's just got such a booming, great voice, like and and a lot of range to it and stuff. And Trial by Fire, one of my favorite songs ever. Number three, uh, Hell Waits by Slayer. Nice, um, just such an evil song. The backward message thing. I remember yep. playing that backwards, but I remember bringing that album home from Record World and looking at the cover and playing that shit and being like scared almost like it's just <laughs> it's such an ominous song and 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 tom tom just is like spitting on that song nah. <laughs> ron, ron would hate it that i meant did a hip-hop reference that that motherfucker about spit. slayer ron grimaldi but uh he's just he's he's singing like 100 miles a minute but it's just such an evil heavy staple of slayer's catalog that motherfucker's spitting. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to say Testament as well. Um, that, that's who I would add in as my fifth. Uh, and my number three song is just like Joe, Holy Wars. Uh, God, I mean, it's hard to really say that this isn't the greatest thrash song of all time. Uh, but I kept it at number three, and it's just... It's just everything about it. Even even the lyrics, like, it's it's true to... Like, the lyrics are easy to follow, and they're pretty profound when you listen to them uh, and hear what they're saying, because it's 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 all very straightforward, but very effective. You know, like he didn't need it to be. And then that part where he does the dun, 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 like, I don't, it's like he's doing this muted, like scratch thing yeah. on the oh, guitar. So oh, cool. it's so fucking good. So um, it leads to the, his last solo. The last solo is amazing. His ending solo. Yeah. 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 
Um, all right. So I'm going to read uh, Jimmy from uh, the Brooklyn Blast Furnaces list here. Uh, so he broke it down just uh, as far as like band. So he has Metallica with Fight Fire with Fire, Battery, Disposable Heroes. Slayer, he has War Ensemble, South of Heaven, Megadeth, In My Darkest Hour, Holy Wars. Uh, anthrax the hardest to choose from by a mile <laughs> among the living air and in my world so that's that's jimmy from the brooklyn blast furnace uh so here we go top two joe give me your number two number two is uh angel of death by slayer off of rain and blood um this song is uh it just opened my eyes to like what slayer could be because you know langan mentioned hell awaits and you know it had that it was definitely like a metal blade like the production on it was very you know it was very un rick rubin because when i saw that i, I picked the record i saw def jam and i heard the production i was like this is amazing like what's happening here the only other def jam record i had was from like public enemy and ll cool j in my house you know so i listened to it and that that intro and his Breaking the glass, screaming, you know, to, to get the song started and everything. And Lombardo's playing 100 miles an hour, you know, all that stuff. And then, I mean, the subject matter, you know, it's pretty messed up. They're talking about concentration camps, of course, and, you know, Mangala and Abassinate. That's, I, that taught me the word Abassinate. I never knew that word before I heard Angel of Death. You I, know? I still don't. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's pretty gnarly lyrics, and um, and and that scream, man, that scream. I mean, it's like, how many people have tried to do it? I can't. I mean, how many, yeah. how many, how many YouTube videos have been clipped up to that? You, you know, he <laughs> wishes he probably didn't put it on there. I know. He's yeah. like, I gotta do this, sing this, yeah. the rest of my life, <laughs> or just he just bagged it after a while. Probably possible. Yeah, he no, he like, did, or he, he altered like, it. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's number two. So, damn, we're almost done. Parker, number two. So, number two, I remember the buildup for this fucking album coming out. I was watching Headbangers Ball, and they had this uh, this segment afterwards called, uh, I think it was called, like, the Into the Pits segment, where they, they, where they showed the real heavy shit. You know, they showed, like, you know, like, Morbid Angel and shit like that. And they, sometimes they used to go to Dominic on the streets, if yep, you remember yeah, that fucking yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah. He was talking about how Dave Lombardo was Slayer and how are they going to find somebody to replace him? And they got the guy from Forbidden and blah, blah, blah. So I put this album on, this Divine Intervention album, and the opening track, which is called Killing Fields, just does, still to this date, one of the most pummeling fucking drum intros I've ever heard in my entire life. And that, that, that just sealed the deal for me. I was just like, holy shit, not only is Paul Bostaff here, but nobody is going to remember who Dave Lombardo is after this album. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although, I did, although I did check out Grip Incorporated, who Dave Lombardo did after that. And that actually is a very good album as well. If nobody's checked out Grip Incorporated first album, that's a very good thrash album as well. I'd like to apologize to Dave just in case he ever wants to come on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Langan, number two. Uh, I got battery. Um which was mentioned before and uh you know i don't know what else i can add to it we all know it it's another uh killer intro song the formula of the, of the light acoustic and uh it's 
at the beginning and when it opens up into the you know the heavy part it's just got such dynamics to it and uh that's another one that's got another killer like outro riff very simple riff but and i i tell everybody this but if you haven't watched on like youtube when uh lars couldn't play that download show in in the uk and, oh god yeah joey and jordan. Lombardo, jordanson and the lombardo yeah, yeah. sat in on uh battery and <laughs> when he plays that that end part it it's so insanely like it kicks that song up to a level that's like untouchable it, it yeah. makes you think of like what that song could have been and you can even see this pep in james and robert's like when they're around the kit and he starts ripping into that shit and Hammett can barely keep up. It's it do yourself a favor. And, it's a, it's, uh, it's a good video. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when somebody bangs your girlfriend with a bigger dick, nice. but only once, you know, and you're yeah. just like, the next time you <laughs> see him. Rest in peace, Joey Jordison. Yes. Oh shit. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so my number two is from uh, my favorite Metallica album and it's blackened. This is the between this and Holy Wars, I, I think, are, are the two best thrash songs of all time. So obviously I gave the edge to Blackened on this one. Uh, but, you know, it, it kicks in pretty hard. And then just that whole like middle part. It's like, you know, <laughs> see your so mother good. put to death. See your mother die. <laughs> you know, great stuff. So Blackened yeah, for me. Blackened for me. And before we get to number one, I'm, I'm going to read uh, our buddy, Howie Abrams. Uh, he sent me a list. So he has Creeping Death, Angel of Death, and My Darkest Hour. Uh, I Am the Law, The Four Horsemen, Chemical Warfare, IAR, Master of Puppets, Raining Blood, and For Whom the Bell Stole. Cool. Uh, so let's do number one, man. This is it. The number one... Big four song, Joe. Give it to me. Drum roll, yeah, drum roll, please. It is. Yes. Uh, you you know, waited a hundred episodes for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Battery was mentioned before um, a couple of times, but I'm going to go with Master of Puppets, the song right after that on on Master, um, because it was to me it was like a growth in songwriting. Like, yeah, it was like seven minutes long. Like, the Eight minutes and thirty eight like, seconds. Is it okay? You can't beat that riff, man. You know, and then the middle middle part, the melody and the harmonies of uh, when they slow it down and, you know, the lyrics about drug addiction and chopping your breakfast on a mirror. That was like really, really cool songwriting, you know. And um, I know it's a staple live. People still, you know, sing along to it and everything. But when I first heard it, you know, when we all first heard it, that was like Metallica kicked it up another level, you know. And then, you know, they would kick it up again for justice. But at that point in time, like, Master of Puppets was it for me. I was like, man, this is amazing. And I still have that song to this day. And like you said earlier, like, what songs would I want to play right now from, from these bands? And I always go back to Master for some reason. It, it's amazing for, you know, that song is known by so many people. And here you have an eight and a half minute song that's super heavy, but is still so memorable. Like you hear the chorus, like it's amazing to write something like that. And that's why I think they were, a little bit of head of uh, of the pack because they were able to write this like music, but still somehow throw a giant hook in it, you know, and then yeah. break it down to that the the delay vocals and then it's that riff. It's and, so good. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's. I always they, wish they did one more record with Fleming Rasmussen somehow to just mm. try it out. So you know, it's might never not a work. But. It's never too late. It's never too. Late. <laughs> uh, Parker, number one. Number one, man. I had to do uh, one of my favorite Metallica songs, and that's "Wherever I May Roam" off of the Black Album. I wow. mean, uh, they, they was, had, you surprised me with that one. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Yeah, they had, uh, you know, there was five singles off of this album. This was one of them. They made, you know, the video and just, I just loved, I mean, what the video is, I mean, the fucking song is about touring and just how, how you know, you wake up in a different state when you're on the road and just, I, I had the ability to do this thing back in, you know, the early 2000s and just, so the song just kind of stuck with me and I just love everything about this song. I mean, the, the big choruses, I mean, like, Lars actually kind of does some pretty decent drum fills, you know, for being the Black Album, and uh, <laughs> I just love it. So I had I had to put it for number one. I um so I was listening to the Black Album podcast, which I'm sure I, yep. I know Joe was yep. listening to. I'm serious, yeah, yeah. And they they talked about it. Um, I guess they were talking to Bob Rock, right? Uh, Bob Rock mentioned it that when they were done or having some mixes of wherever I may roam, they played it for the Misfits, like Danzig and shit. I guess whenever mm. they did that. And they were just like, holy shit, they were blown away by the production of, of that song in particular. So I thought that, yeah. was, that was cool. Uh, cool, man. Langan, number one. Uh, and, it, what? I was going to say, nothing else matters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Unforgiven, actually. Um, <laughs> Angel of Death by uh, Slayer, which was mentioned already, but uh, yet another intro uh, track. And um, it's... It's one, it's one of the heaviest songs like ever made. It's got just such horrific lyrics that the scream sets the tone. It's that you're gonna enter this, you know, how long is Rain and Blood? Like 36 minutes or something. Yeah. Just this intro of brutality. The solos will absolutely melt your fucking face off. It's like so in your face. Uh, it's it's just thrash perfection and from my favorite uh, Slayer record of all time. Can I just interject and say that I looked up the definition of a bassinate, and it's a verb, <laughs> and it means to blind someone by holding a red-hot metal plate before their eyes. <laughs> How do you think Tom, like, or Carrie probably wrote that that song, I'm guessing, the lyrics to that song, but, like, what was he reading, like, a dictionary? Or, like, how did he, you think he comes yeah, yeah. around? You know that's not in his, like, regular vocabulary. Nah, like, he, what, he, how do they go about, like, picking that out? You know? he's, he's not throwing that around for sure. Because they throw in some big words randomly here, and they even make some shit up, like, repentless isn't a word. No. <laughs> yeah. They had no idea, though. Uh, all right, so we're going to do number one before I'm going to read the last list. So uh, I don't know this guy's name, but it's Apocalypse Inc. on Instagram. He sent me a list. He says, hey, Sam, couldn't resist doing a big four list in no, in no particular order. For Whom the Bell Stoles, Chemical Warfare, Madhouse, I'm the Law, In My Darkest Hour, Raining Blood, Angel of Death, Holy Wars uh, 1, and Dead Skin Mask. Looking forward to the episode. Perfect. All right, so this is it. Last one for me. I remember finally getting a copy, a VHS copy of Cliff Amal. And I remember watching it and thinking it was the coolest thing ever. And once we got to um, Cliff playing, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, that's not even a guitar. And he starts playing for whom the bells toll. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, I always thought that was a guitar. And I'm watching this fucking guy rip that shit. And 
when you see them live and they do this and it's like, take a look to the sky just before you die. And then it cuts out. It's like the best, like I, Parker wouldn't know because he's never seen them, but for, I wouldn't, nah. for, 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 <laughs> for all of us that have seen it, uh, it's, it's, it's like a magical moment, man. And it's like that song is the perfect use of power chords at the right time. Uh, the perfect use of, of drum uh, syncopation, everything about it, it. It's not the hardest song to play, but it's just, it's the right chords at the right time with these lyrics and just that, that the, the bass riff and then the guitar outro from Kirk Hammett. And mm. that to me is my favorite song out of the four catalogs, man. So for whom the bell stole. Yeah. Guys, I'm going to go jog <laughs> for real. But uh, yeah. yo, Joe, I mean, look at me. It doesn't matter. It's not it's, uh, throwing a chair off the Titanic. Um, <laughs> Joe, thank you for being on the show for a fourth or fifth time. I don't even know. You've yeah. been on the show more than Parker has. I'd say it's, like- it's the third time because I, if you count, if I ruled the world, that was the first time we met. Mm. But then I did the um, the 90s yeah. hair ballads and then I did the Van Halen one. So yes. Oh, really? I, I feel like the one is. Yeah. I feel like I love been... the subject matter though. I love so, it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank cool. you for having me. You'll be back again. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're gonna do our cool. top our top ten boys to men songs. You're in. So if you have a St. Elmo's fire one, I believe I had mentioned that. Yeah. A podcast I'm in. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I know the audience is clamoring for that one. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of messages on IG for that St. Elmo's episode. <laughs> Yeah, when's that saying almost fire? <laughs> cool. Listen, guys, uh, yeah. also, I'm, I'm gonna put this out Monday. Thanks for doing it, and uh, we will talk. Peace. Later, guys. Hey, Later, man. Man. Bye.